Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. So today, the title of the message is called, Is This the End? And we really want to ask the question then, is this the end? Meaning, is this the end times? Is this the end of the world? And I thought it was so cool because I was sitting in Sunday school this morning and I realized we're talking in Sunday school about the very same thing that we're talking about today, this morning. And that really got me pretty excited about this morning. And then to add to that, I was praying earlier this morning in my, in my office at my house, and I was just trying to sense where God is leading me and how to present this message. And then he just laid you all on my heart. And so then I would just try to start praying for you all and knowing that today is going to be one of those Sundays. You just get them every once in a while. And so I believe that God is going to speak and to move in some different ways this morning, but we want to do that by starting with the question, is this the end? I mean, you can't get around this question without obviously living in the United States and living in 2021 without thinking it, because ever since 2020, there have been floods, there have been famines, there have been pestilence, there have been plagues, there have been a pandemic. Just the other day, just studying for this, I was reading somewhere and it said this is a, it was speaking of 2020, but it said this is a, is a plague of biblical times. And then it showed a picture of millions of locusts that were sitting there. And what happened is all like millions of locusts came in to the horn of Africa, desolated all the farmland. So it moved from there to China. From China, it moved across East Asia. Then from East Asia, moved to the Middle East. And all of this being locusts would just wipe out all the food, crop, food crops. And so I thought, well, maybe this does like the end of times and we are all wondering is this the end of the age not to mention the persecution that is breaking out right now this very moment in the church all over the world we haven't we're not experiencing right now but just wait and you won't have to wait long I don't think And so it all leaves us kind of wondering, well, is this the end? Is this the end of times? And 1 Peter lets us know this, and he has a resounding yes. And I didn't hear any oohs or ahs or aha moments out there, so I'm guessing you probably already knew that. The Word says, the Bible says, yeah, a resounding yes. Here's what it says, actually, in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says this. Verse, um, 1 Peter chapter 4, actually. Chapter 4, verse 7. This is Peter writing. He says, the end of the world is coming soon, and therefore... Be earnest and disciplined in all of your prayers. 
So Peter says, hey, look, the, the end of the world's coming soon. This is a resounding yes. But the author of Hebrews says the same thing. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, it says, For then he would have, this is the author of Hebrews speaking, For then he, he being Jesus, would have had suffered repeatedly, repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he, Jesus, has appeared once for all. Are you ready for this? At the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice for himself. First John writes the exact same thing that you read in Sunday school morning this morning that says, Hello, we are in, do you know what First John calls it? It calls it the last days. And then Paul comes along in 2 Timothy and he seconds this. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy is a young man at this time taking on a huge responsibility of pastoring a church of about 3,000 people. And Paul is in prison, and as he is in prison, he has chains around his hands probably and around his feet. And this is, we think, the very last letter that Paul wrote. It's not last in your Bible because it's longer than like Philemon, and so it's not the last, but the last letter that Paul actually pinned down. And this is the second to last chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And the fourth chapter in 2 Timothy really is just his final greetings, like tell this person I said bye, and this person, and this person I said bye. So this is really the last thing that Paul would write in his life. And he sends it to Timothy, and here's what he says. He says this, In the last days, Timothy, you should know this. You should know this, that there will be mockers. People will be ungodly. People will scorn discipline. They will be selfish and lovers of self. They will be lovers of money, undisciplined and not obeying their parents. You need to know this, Timothy. And so in the Bible, it's like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it seems weird because Peter thought that the end was surely to come near. The author of Hebrews thought the same thing. John thought the same thing. And now we have Paul saying, Timothy, you should know this because this is about to happen, bro. And so from Scripture, are we in the end times? The answer is a resounding, absolutely we are. But the problem is that we are afforded the perspective to be 2,000 years downstream of this and look back and say, uh, so what's the solution? The solution is just turning a page and understanding end times math. But before I do this, I want to say one more thing. Get this. And when you turn that page in 2 Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, it says this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 says, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you are already know about them and are standing firm in the truth as you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. Now, verse 14, he's about to say something that catches us all off guard. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me, Peter, that I must soon leave this earthly life. So when Peter is writing this letter, we don't know who he's writing it to, but as Peter is writing this letter, Peter is saying, 
I'm about to die, and God has shown me that. Now, when Paul is writing Timothy right before, Paul is telling Timothy, I'm about to die. My head's about to be locked off, and I'm going to see Christ, but that's okay. But that's okay, because to live is for you, but to die is, is with Christ, is gain, is gain. And so Paul's okay with this. Peter's okay with this. I hope you're okay with this. But Peter's saying the end of my life is coming and the end of all times is coming. Paul's saying the exact same thing. Here's what it says in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Fox's Book of Martyrs says this. Persecution, speaking of the persecution under Nero, this persecution was general, meaning it was broad everywhere, throughout the whole Roman Empire. But it rather increased than diminished the spirit of Christianity. In the course of it, St. Paul and St. Peter were martyred. To their names may be added, you're going to get this, you're going to know these names, Erastus, the Chamberlain of, Cor- of, of Corinth, Aristarchus, the Macedonian, you probably recognize these names from Scripture, and Trophonus of Ethiopia, Converted by St. Paul and a fellow co-laborer with him, Joseph, commonly called Barsabbas, and Ananias. And you probably think you've heard the name Ananias before in the Bible. You have, but it's not this Ananias. The Ananias that you heard of is Ananias and Sapphira, right? Those are the ones that you've heard of, not this dude. But he was the bishop of Damascus. But all of these people that are named, they were each of the seventy. And so a great wave of persecution broke out just 30 years after Jesus was raised from the dead. And so when Peter was writing, I'm saying all this to say this. When Peter wrote, this is the end, do you know how many people questioned that? Nobody. Because they were like, it can't get better than this. We're being filleted to death. Stone to death, spear to death, hung on crosses upside down. We are being tortured, killed. This body is just but a flicker, and we are dead. They would say, yeah, this is the end is coming. Nobody questioned it, but now we do question it, right? Because it's been 2,000 years along the way, and we're like, well, is Jesus really, is it really that far? But we have to understand is in time's math, and I want to show you what I'm talking about. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. It's only a page over. Second Peter chapter 3, we're going to start right here in verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says, This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. Verse 2, I want, to rem- I want you to remember what the holy prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Now he's going to get into the meat of things. Verse 3, but most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, 
Scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was created. And so Peter is answering his, his own question. He's saying the end times is near. The end times is coming. Don't worry. We're living in the last days. But some of, some, at some point, people are going to say, what? Where's it's been two thousand years, bro? Where's Jesus at? He hasn't come in the last two thousand years. What's going on? We we say that, and that's okay. That's natural. That's human. That's that's okay. But here's what is not okay. Get this, all right. Verse five, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of His command, and He brought the earth out of from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same world, the present heavens and earth have been stored up by fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. And so what does verse 5 and 6 meaning? What does is, what is all that mean? All, all This is just my opinion. All that simply means is that, hello, God is also a God of love. Yeah, but he's also a God of judgment. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. And then in verse 8, Guess what he says? But you must not forget this one thing. What is that one thing? We're about to figure it out. Dear friends, here we go. End times math. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. That's end times math. That is end times math. That to the Lord... It's been two days since Jesus Christ arose. And I don't know about you, but a lot of things happened on the third day, and so maybe it's all going to come to an end on the third day, meaning that sometime in this thousand years, Christ is going to come. Now, I don't think, it could be, but I don't think that Peter is actually speaking that it's a literal thousand years to a literal day like Jesus and, and I guess the Lord, he says, you know what? It's been a thousand years. It was really a day. I don't think there's different times on heaven and earth to that a thousand to a one. I think is what Peter's trying to get by is that, hello, you think it's been a long time, but really compared to the Lord, it's just a snap of the finger. I think that's what it's saying. But we can get worked up. I can get worked up so easily. Like 2021, 2022, <laughs> It's been really tough, right? It's been a lot of things have happened. There have actually been, get this, 200 worldwide disasters in two years. 200 worldwide disasters in two years. And so with all the wars, with all the rumors of wars, with all of the famine and the earthquakes and the pestilence and the things of locusts that appear out of nowhere with all everything that we see and all the persecution that's taking place right now it causes us to step back and like ask the question well how soon is it going to be how soon is it going to be and then we go further with that and I do this also we go further with that and we say well I really wish I really 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 wish that God would come back like now like if he came back now I'm ready you're ready we're all ready let's go 
I ain't homesick. But here's, we, we, we ask the question, why doesn't God reach down and pull the plug out? Why doesn't he do that? I think the answer is because that no one else understands the magnitude of what would happen if he pulled the plug out than God. No one else understands what would go down the drain. Your friends, down the drain. Some of your family, down the drain. Everything that is ungodly, down the drain. Whole people groups, down the drain. Students that go to school with you, down the drain. All, some nations, down the drain. Some religions, down the drain. And at the end of the day, here's what's happening, and it says it right here in the verse, verse 9. The Lord really isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being what? He is being patient. For, for why? For your sake. Why? Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. And I think this is maybe... I think this is the, what we have to work to, under, to understand. And so what does this text teach? What does this text teach? What can we get out of this text, is I guess is what I'm asking, Cal. What can we take away? Well, number one, I think you must understand and take away this, is that as we are living in the end times, we must learn to have a spirit of patience. Because it says, well, if God has a spirit of patience and we're supposed to be like God, then we need to have that spirit of patience as well, saying that, hey, look, let's walk around, let's, let's live our lives, but knowing that, hey, we're going to be patient, we're going to wait on the Lord, and whenever he pulls the plug, we're going to be ready, but, we're, we're, but he's going to do that in his timing. But number two, not only should we be patient, I think it, we should be urgent, and I'm going to tell you where I get this from the text, verse 10. Look with me at verse 10, it says, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as the thief. All right, Cal, let me ask you this. If we knew a thief was about to come into our house, what would we do? Number one, I'll tell you what I would do. I would go to Davis Feed and Seed, and I'd go by that AR that I was really looking at the other day for like $6.99. It had a scope on it and a red dot laser. So I'd have that, and I'd be sitting at probably the porch where Riley always is. I'd be sitting there, and then you could go grab another gun, and you could sit there at the other door, you know, our front door, and whichever door the thieves came, out, came into, we got them, right? We, why? Because we would be, we would be prepared. We would be ready. We would be urgent. And so now I ask you all, if Jesus Christ, if you knew he was coming back in seven days, you had a week, would you live different? Would you live this week different? And I suspect that every single person in here will live this, would live this week different. Here's what would not matter, y'all. I'll tell you what. Your popularity and your standing would not matter. As much money as you make would not matter. Your job would not matter. Your standing probably wouldn't matter as much. There's only one thing that would matter. If you knew that Jesus Christ was coming in seven days, you would do everything in your power to go and get Christ to whoever did not know them. You would be knocking on doors. You'd be making 
making pamphlets and handing them out. You'd be driving around with Christian music blaring out your windows. You'd be going to Walmart being like, hey, look, don't buy this, bro. Let me tell you about something that you can buy. You can't, you can't buy this, but this is way more valuable than those chips. Uh, Jesus Christ is coming back in seven days. You need a relationship with him, bro. That's what would be important to you. So it's to live urgent. I'll give you this as another example. The other day, uh, Charlie, Braylon, uh, let's see who else, um, uh, Asher, Maddie, I came and I spoke at what this last week? The Pat Rally. And when I spoke at the Pat Rally, what did I bring with me up on the stage? Shoes. I did. And they smelled good or bad. Uh, they just laughed at that. Terrible. And so as I bring these shoes up on the stage, I just start to say, hey, look, I was trying to grab every, all the kids' attention, so I was just like, hey, this used to be in style when I was a youngin. And I would point out the Clarks, the Wallabies. Y'all remember how they used to be popular? Oh, they're terrible. And then after that, some of you will be like, amen to this. It was the Penny Loafers. Have you ever in your life seen a, like, 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 that, that, they just went out of style. Some of you probably have some on, so I'm going to be real careful what I say next. <laughs> and then what became popular? Who has Chacos on today? Somebody has Chacos. Maddie. Chacos became popular. And then after the Chacos, what's popular today, by the way? Uh, Birkenstocks, hello, and Brooks. If you have Brooks or Birkenstocks, you're, you are in style. Here's what the point was. After I grabbed all their attention, I wanted to then shift it to Christ. And so I said, well, shoes go in and out of style. But serving Christ never goes out of style. It may go out of style on earth, but in heaven, it never goes out of style. It's always cool. And so now that I had their attention, I wanted to switch it. And I wanted to say, here's what I said. I said, well, what makes a good pair of shoes? And Kat told me that I should have said a good soul, but I'm not that smart. I didn't think of that. <laughs> and so I took mine off, and I said, well, look at these. A good pair of boots. What makes a good pair of boots? I said, Durability. Can it last? Can it stand the test of time? I said, if something can go through something, and, and a trial maybe, and, and it comes out the other side, and you can still put them on, that's a good pair of shoes. I said, the same thing is true. I can't do this, y'all. I'm sorry. i got to fix this, um, or I'm going to be stressed out the rest of the morning. <laughs> okay, there we go. All righty. That's what makes a good pair of shoes. And I tried to relate this to their life, and I was trying to sh share them with James 1. And so I said, hey, can somebody turn off all of the lights? Because it was a blackout pep rally, which means all the lights were already, they were on, but before I come up to speak, they were all off. They had these blackout lights. And so I see a little commotion, and then I see a teacher going to turn off the lights. And then one by one, all of the lights start to go off. And now I'm in this, this all these shoes on the ground. I'm trying to find a flash because I had this idea that I was going to get this flashlight and then shine it. And I was going to say, and we're to be like this light in the darkness. So when the lights go out, don't worry, we can shine. I know it's elementary, but I was speaking to elementary year old kids, right? And so I'm like looking for this light and I can't find it for nothing. And I hear one light go out, two lights go out, three lights go out, four lights go out. And I know that I have about two seconds before it's completely dark in the room. And one of the cheerleaders, bless her heart, she says, it's on the boot. I'm like, I'm like, what? She says, your flashlight, it's on the boot. I'm like, 
yeah, it is on the boot. So I'm like, thank you so much. And so I grabbed the flashlight just as the last light goes out. And I said, but we're supposed to be like this light. Boom, I sh- started shining everywhere. And everyone's like, ooh, ah. I was like, I got these little elementary schoolers right where I want them, right? But the point is, I knew it was about to go out, so I was urgent. I was urgent in finding the light as fast as I can. I actually needed somebody to help me. And we are in the same, we should be the same way living for Jesus because we know that we are in the end times. At any moment, it could all go black. It could all go out. And so if we are not living an urgent life trying to call people to the light, call people to Jesus, bring people to Jesus, then what are we actually doing to live urgently? Thirdly, we should be this. We should be confident. And I get this from the next verse. It says this. It's still in verse 10, but it's right after the word thief. So if you look down at your Bible and you see the word thief, then I'm going to be reading the next word after that. Verse 10 still, but not at the beginning, okay? One sentence later. It says, Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment so when I read this what does it tell me it tells me that I know how the story ends it tells me that I know how the story ends I know who wrote the book and I know how it ends and in our lives we many times say that Satan is winning Satan's winning today, Satan's winning today, Satan's winning today. But let me tell you something, Satan is roaring, but he is not winning. <laughs> Amen. Jesus will win, is winning, has always been in control, holds the whole world in his hands. And so our problems may be big, but compared to an enormous God, they are but a iota. And I can have confidence walking into that because I know how the story ends. And so it may look bleak, but I have confidence. We should walk in confidence. But lastly, lastly, I would say this. We should live lives of congruency. Mr. John. That's a, that's, a, that's a $100 word right there, okay? Uh, congruency, that's a good one. You just used the word congruency in a sermon? I did. I know that's, that, that is the weirdest thing ever. But here's why I say this. Because go to verse 11. Go to verse 11. Verse 11 says this. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, he asked a question. What holy and godly lives should you then live? Looking forward to the day, verse 12, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. So how do we do that? How do we hurry it along? By living urgently. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so because we know that we are in the end times, and any moment it could, go, it could go dark, any moment he could pull the plug, we should live lives that are congruent with this scripture. Is any, was anybody happy? Let me ask it a different way. Was anybody happy yesterday at about mm, 9 o'clock? 
by, let's say, by 9 o'clock, was anybody happy? I'll tell you who wasn't happy. Alabama fans weren't happy because Alabama fans were like, I mean, we won, but we looked bad. Florida fans, sure, surely wasn't happy. Mississippi State fans, there, there, there are no more Mississippi State fans. And the Auburn fans, they're going to be down here praying at the end of the service. <laughs> I'll be down here with you, babe. Oh, I bet you just Ole Miss fans are just jolly full of joy, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, good, good, good. I'm happy for you. Okay, good, good, good. But all the rest of us, we're sad. I am not, now I am not nobody who likes conflict. If you want to know something about, I hate conflict. I cannot stand it. And so when I would go to Ole Miss games growing up or to the Auburn games growing up, you know what I would wear if if it wasn't a home game? Would I wear my Mississippi State 1-5 Dak Prescott jersey? Are you kidding me? No. Would I wear my Mississippi State shirt to an Auburn game? No, absolutely not. I would go, okay, I would go and support, but I would have a neutral color on, and I would walk in, and I would be like, hello, because here's what I did not want happening. I didn't want somebody waving the little pom-pom in my face and being like, go Tigers or hidey toddy, because then I would have grabbed my cowbell and smacked them over the head with it, and then we'd have had that, and then rung it, you know. So I was always neutral. And I think that's okay to be a fan. But that is not okay to be a Christian. That is not okay to be a Christian. We are to wear the shirt of Christ. What am I, I'm not talking about a t-shirt anymore. I'm talking about the breastplate of righteousness here. We are to put on Christ's righteousness and walk about our lives in it. And so when you go back to work tomorrow, it may look like something. You coming in and your boss looking at you and say, hey, look, I want you to fidget the numbers on this. And you looking back at them and say, no, I'm not going to do that. And then they ask, well, you've done it for 20 years. Why aren't you going to do it now? And you look at them and you say, because I'm repenting and I'm a repenting man and I am a Christian and I will follow Christ. I will not submit to you. I'm not going to do that. For me, I'll just be honest, for me, it looked like there was a, there was a tennis tournament on a, on a, on a Sunday one time. Um, actually, this wasn't too long ago at all. And I was the state championship in the tennis tournament. And, my, and, and this is going to sound conceited, Miss Beth, but, but, like, you know how some people aren't very great tennis players? And then some, like, I'm not a very great tennis player, let me just say that. I'm really not, but I was the best on the team. Is that okay for me to say, like, you're not going to throw anything at me? I really will, okay? And so they really wanted me to play. They was like, Drake, you got to play in this tournament. We're in the state championship, man. you got to play. you got to play. And I, and, and I was like, no, I, I'm going to church. And nobody could understand it. They was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. We needed you. We, you've been on our team all year. And that's okay, right? That is okay. Because if I was living for their opinions and their acceptance, I would live my life totally different. But I'm living it under Christ's opinion and Christ's acceptance. So I was like, look, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm, 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 I hope y'all win. I wish y'all luck. And I'll pray for y'all at church. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, 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 and I went to church. Why? Because that was just something I felt like God was calling them to do, calling me to do. And I wanted to live congruently with this and put Christ. Do you understand where I'm going with this? And so because we are living in the last times, we should live patiently, yes, shouldn't we? But we should also live urgently. 
We should live confident, with confidence, extreme confidence, because we know how it ends. And then lastly, we should live congruently with what the Bible says. This is how we should live. Are we in the end times? Absolutely. Is Christ coming back tomorrow? Probably not, right? Probably not. Unless you use end times math. I mean, God's tomorrow. And then, who knows? It's a possibility. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. I love how the Fox's Book of Martyrs ends. The Fox's Book of Martyrs ends by saying this, Though there was extreme persecution among the believers, neither did this decrease the rise of Christ, but instead it increased Christianity all throughout the region. So I know 2020 has looked bleak, and I know 2021 hasn't been much better, and I know we, un- we don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to walk patiently. I'm going to walk with confidence and urgency, and I'm going to live my life the best way that I can, knowing that everything that's going on will not decrease Christianity. It will not decrease Christ. It will not decrease my faith. It will not decrease my humility. It will not decrease my trust in God. It will not decrease the, tr- uh, the, the church. It will not decrease Christianity. No, what it will do is it will set a blaze of fire burning with embers to the Christian faith. And though the, not, the night may be dark, I'll tell you what, we will shine brighter in the darkness and we will wait patiently for Christ to pull the plug. Why? Because we know how the story ends. Because we love, live, and lead our lives for Christ. That is the type of life that he's saying, hey, would you live this way in the end times? And with that, I want to say, how are we living? 